Hello and welcome to Das Nostalgia Podcast, episode 18. I am your host, Anatoly, as always, and today, uh, in the virtual internet Das Nostalgia studio, with me is a very special guest. For your listening pleasure, sir, please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Brian Rubin. I am a long-time uh, DOS fan, video game enthusiast, space game enthusiast, and fellow podcaster and blogger. How you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for being here. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm really excited because I'm, I'm a big fan, man. Seriously. Oh, so this thanks. is very exciting for me. No problem. I, I'm, always, I'm always happy to, to accept uh, willing uh, volunteers to, <laughs> to talk about DOS games. Especially DOS games that uh, I am not uh, very familiar with, as is the case with today's topic. Uh, but before we get to today's topic, uh, uh, would you like to tell us uh, maybe uh, how you first uh, came in touch with the IBM PC uh, gaming? Well, uh, it's I started with uh, Tandy. I, for some reason, my parents love buying crap from Radio Shack. So my first computer was a TRS-80. That's not DOS, but I'm, I'm leading right. up to that. So uh, I wanted a better computer at some point. So in 1980, I think it was 86, they got me a Tandy 1000EX, which is a, was like an all-in-one thing. It had a floppy drive on the side, built-in, built-in office suite called Deskmate. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I got a game with it. The first game, first DOS game I ever got was Starflight. And the reason I got it was because there was a really awesome looking ship on the cover. And I had no idea that this would begin a lifelong love affair, <laughs> not only with video games, but with space games. Nice. Cause that game, holy crap. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that shortly. Yes, we will. Yes, because we will. that's what our topic is about. Uh, I might point out to listeners right up front when you volunteered to 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 be on this volunteer when you uh, when you asked to be a guest on this podcast uh, or when I, I asked you to be I, I don't quite remember how it happened I, uh, I, I said you should do a podcast on space games I'm not thinking I would have anything to do with it and you're like yeah you should come on I'm like ah okay ah all, all right. right yeah <laughs> so and you ended up sending me a list which I think was over a hundred and ten titles total. Well, it's pretty much every DOS space game I could find between right. 1981 and 1997. A, a DOS game came out in 97, even after Windows XP, which is, I mean, 95, which is hilarious. The last big year was 97, because there's a lot of simultaneous Windows and DOS releases for, for big games, you know. Uh, that's the topic for, for another, uh, podcast but but the thing is so you sent me like a like a 117 game list and i instantly said not happening because here on das nostalgia podcast we have we're having trouble discussing like 10 games in in, in under three hours <laughs> so I, I guess i asked you to limit it to uh, are we calling it uh are they officially called space trading sims there really isn't like a specific name for these some people call them open world space games space trading games um space economic games but i tried to limit the list to space dos space games that have elements of trading in them whether mm-hmm. it's a whether it's an opener more open game like elite or maybe trading is a bit more limited i tried to find games that had some element where you're trading something like some right. games have trade but don't even involve money which I right. thought was kind of fun. Or, or some of them not are not simulators, 
per se. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some uh, of them about half even, of them, yeah, actually. Like, I looked, yeah, quite uh, I looked a few of them looked... aren't first-person, uh, right. like, flight sim-type things. So um, we kind of... St- so here's the interesting thing. I, I had to do a little fudging with this list because... Yeah, I saw. The first game came out in 1983. Which is funny. I knew nothing about it because it didn't land on DOS till 87, apparently. Yes, exactly. It, which which is funny because the the second game came out on DOS in 86. Before, yeah. Which is a bit... It's uh, the universe games, and we could talk about these three in like a whole in its in a in a combined thing because yeah, I've only uh, I've only touched upon them really. I've only dabbled with them. Let's because I did not know they existed. Um, right. Because I guess DOS wasn't exactly a prevalent platform Ew. for them, as we just discussed, and I was quite blown away because. Uh, uh, they are uh, sp- space trade, open world space trading games pre elite. Uh, yeah, and they're very detailed. Like, I, the funny thing is, I tried playing the first one. Mm-hmm. I found a DOS version. Right. It comes with four EXE files. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which order to run them in. And so, like, one's for a starport, one's for a construction ship thing, and one's for a pilot, and. One's a pilot, another pilot, and so I couldn't figure out, like, are you supposed to run these in a specific order and set up your pilot and set up your ship? And I tried to do that, and it didn't work. So I've barely dabbled with Universe. Universe 2, I actually got running. I played a little bit. That looks like a lot more uh, accessible game. We- it we- is, weird, but it's... weird graphical choice. I guess they wanted to do- to go high risk because the second game is, a- is a- if uh, I-, I would assume not a lot of people actually have heard about this, but, like, it's an... Uh, it's like a higher res black and white mode. Yeah, and it's it's mouse controlled as well. It looks like an early Mac game. Remember the early Mac games were mm-hmm. just black yes. and white. Mm-hmm. It looks like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that game is obtuse. Now um, these are the pre. Did you ever play the Rules of Engagement uh, Starship Sims? No. Okay, well those are amazing. We could that could be a whole other podcast. Those are amazing capital ship Sims where you're like in control of like almost every system of a starship. These games are the prequels to those. Oh. They take place in the same universe. But those games are, you're in the military and these games, you're just like a fella with a ship (laughs) flying around. And these games are very, there's two major factions in them and I think you can be one or the other. They're very obtuse and convoluted. Like I was playing universe and like, so I'm like, oh, I want to go to this other planet. Okay. ETA two hours. Okay, is that in real time? Yeah, that's one thing. I went into like one Russian abandoner website that that covers like all. They they just want to grab like every game ever, but they also want to give it a detailed look for every game ever, which is pretty useful when uh, stumbling upon cool. uh, sort of some really uh, ancient tiles. And one thing that the description for first universe uh, mentions is you 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 can't play without the manual. Like you have to read the manual, and uh, I tried. I did try, and it's it's wow, it's crazy. It's it's not an easy game. I would no. not recommend anyone. I'm going to probably <laughs> do a let's play of it, but it's one of those games where I can't really recommend anyone go back if they're used to like a more modern UI. Do not go back and try these because oh my god, um, they're like almost Sundog levels of um. 
Oh, and Sundog isn't on here. Oh, I don't think it ever came out for DOS. That's probably why. Um, but uh, yeah, that's almost Sundog levels of obtuseness. It's like, oh my god. But it's, so, from a historical point of view, it's 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 interesting. That's an it's open world 3D, and it even has like wireframe 3D ships. It, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, tr- I was like one of the things had like ten ships you could choose from, and I never got past like choosing one of them. It was like I was reading a brochure about each ship, and yeah, there were wireframe graphics, which in 1983 or 80, you know, well, five. Uh, let's just well, it's 87, but let's assume you know it's support. If you look at the Atari versions, they still have all of that. So it's yeah, like it's, it's I tried really playing crazy. the Atari version. It's same thing. It was four different <laughs> files. I'm like, I don't know which one. To I'm so confused. So I moved on from there. So let's, let's move on from there. Those are great from a historical perspective, but don't, people don't play them. Don't look, don't look them up. They're crazy. Uh, the one, the one that's fascinating is Elite. And that's the one everyone talks about is really, and it's kind of a shame that Universe is kind of forgotten. But Elite made things more accessible. Yeah, I well, mean, it was Elite a, it, also Elite is not not forgotten in any way. I, I actually have well, I, I can. No, I mean, Universe is forgotten in yeah, the yeah, shadow yeah. of Elite. That's right, what right. I mean. right. Uh, well, yeah, obviously. But like here, we have two games that are so close and so revolutionary so early on, and you know, one predates the other, and one is uh, you know, Universe is forgotten. I guess almost completely. Never mind the two two fucking sequels. Uh, <laughs> right, and. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, Elite, you know, which came out, uh, on, uh, originally BBC Micro in 84, uh, yes. I believe, and landed on DOS in, in its, well, first DOS version in 87. And then it had Elite Plus in, I think, 89 or 90, which added garage shading or whatever. Well, honestly, something. Elite Plus is the one that you should be playing if you're on DOS. Yeah, uh, that's the one you should play, really. Yeah, because the first Elite is a bit too hard on eyes and ears. I'll uh, be honest, that's the one I played. I played Elite. I actually played Elite. played Elite originally on the ZX Spectrum, one of oh. its more popular uh, sort of incarnations, at least in Europe, uh, when I was a kid. And uh, I was always really bad at Elite. and But I managed to, to, to play a chunk of it because it it was actually pretty accessible. Like, y- you could figure out the controls. You could figure out what to do without the manual uh, and uh, sort of play around a little bit badly. Uh, <laughs> never, never, never get anywhere past, you know, mostly harmless and, uh. <laughs> Cause uh, combat in that game is cray! <laughs> just, uh, well, the, uh, hell, I'm, combat or no combat, uh, I think the docking is just, is, is just, <laughs> is, 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 it was a vicious move to, to, like, and to, to assume that, yeah, okay, we're so many years into whatever and the ships don't ca- have any kind of automatic, you know, like, I know. Docking right? help, like you. All right, I'm trailing off here, but yeah, I played Elite on the Spectrum, which is really impressive because you know it's a 48k machine with the Z80 for 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 everything. Right? Uh, like it, it has nothing. Uh, just a straight up video output. There's no buffering. There's no hardware sprites. There is no nothing. Uh, you know, beeper sound and uh, uh, and so you have to do everything. It's still impressive how huge that game is. But uh, and I think I've mentioned Elite at least a couple of other podcasts but and i don't think is there any person who doesn't know what elite is but elite is an, is is open world 3d space trading sim it's a, it's a simulator uh it's yeah. arcade it's arcadey but by many standards now but it actually implements a lot 
It did not. It did not feel arcadey back then. No, it really no. didn't. Even now, I mean, it has like all kinds of crazy shit, like gravity. I think it even has right from it. It has a gravity pool from planets and uh, stations, or is that in the sequel? I, I think I, so. I, like I forget. I read the whole the giant sequel thing. Sequel definitely does. The oh, sequel, sequel has like has all that. kinds of crazy shit. But but uh, like original lead for its sort of simplicity. Uh, I mean, there is even a version of for for Nintendo. Do you ever seen a Nintendo version of Elite? Yeah. No, yeah, I didn't know there was a crazy Nintendo. fucking Nintendo version for Elite. But oh the best version God. of Elite is actually for Acorn Archimedes computer. Nobody ever has heard of. I've, uh, I'll, I'll be, I'm, I'm right there. I've never heard of the Acorn Archimedes. Yeah, you think I'd hear of this thing? But, but the reason oh. it's the best version is because it wasn't made till 1991. So it's a 16-bit ah. machine. So it was the last version. Elite, I think, is the. Uh, didn't I just discuss it on a previous podcast? I might have. Uh, uh, I might have cut it out or something, but, um, Elite actually leads the amount of, uh, for official ports made, uh, commercial ports for a, for a single game. Cause I think there's about 30 altogether. If not oh 30, it's like 27. I, uh, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, it really set the stage for just about every game that came after yeah, it. Yeah. That's a, like, if there is one revolutionary game, well, if there isn't one, but if, like, you know, you cannot call Elite anything but revolutionary in so oh, many areas. Absolutely. And it's funny, like, some people, I know people like say docking is too difficult and Elite dangerous today, and I just want to tell them, go back and try docking in the Yeah, please. Can go, we go talk? About, can we talk about this a little bit? No, well, I touched on a little bit, but uh, to to people who've never played the original Elite, uh, uh, the, the the docking is like a recreation, uh, is inspired by 2001: Space Odyssey, where right. shit just plays- spins into space. It only plays the uh, the Blue Danube in exactly. in some versions. It doesn't in DOS and Elite Plus and some other things, which is I think is really cheesy, but. Uh, so there's a, there's a sort of a, I, I don't know what the scientific name of that shape is because I didn't do well in school, but there's oh, a, I s- don't either, space, a space stations. Yeah, some, something with a lot of surfaces. With a tiny, tiny little docking window that <laughs> yes. you have to get your ship through and you have to match and there's, you don't have rudder pedals or anything like nope. you do these days. You just had your stick and so you had to match you had to match the rotation of Perfectly. the station manually, and it's spinning kind of quickly. So you're like, ah. While you're flying That's- into it, you have to make sure that your rotation matches completely. Otherwise, you just mm-hmm. hit the edges <laughs> and you die. And you can only die. save when you're inside the station. So, uh, yeah, cruel, uh. cruel, cruel move. But it's it was made in a time when games were really like... For, a lot for, crueler for like lot hardcore crueler. people. It made is, you it was work. a point of pride. Once you got good oh, yeah. at, at docking, it was a point of like I could do this, man. Like I don't need a docking computer. I mean, the game has one. You can once you can afford it, you can buy a docking computer. Yeah, but by that point, but, you don't need it. Yeah, by that point, you're like, I got this, man. No worries. Woo, you know, right in the slot. But yeah, that's one. That's probably the one of the few things people remember about the original so much is the docking. I mean, the combat was. Just terrible. I mean, it was it was just not as bad as the sequel, which we'll get to. But because hmm. the combat well, in that the is, combat woo! is uh, you rotate and you point where you want to shoot and 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 you shoot. And there's no left or right, so you can't slide left or right. Right, you're you can only off a little you, bit. You, you have to roll and then yeah. pull up and then yep. roll and then pull up, and you're like, ah, god. But at least thank God for that. It also established that uh, it's the first game, well, because it's like a first 3D space game, at least that I know of, that also had that uh, radar implemented. That 
have since been copied and I think just about oh, every every single true. space game ever where the ships in relation to to you are actually shown as a line coming out or in uh yeah. it's really hard to explain it if somebody doesn't understand I'm sorry it's a, three, it's a 3D radar that shows on the flat uh, plane though they, like the, yeah, the, the radar it shows is flat yeah exactly yes. but it has it has um lines going above or below the mm-hmm. plane in relation to you target is above you or below mm-hmm. you or behind you above you you know very I mean, representing 3D spaceflight in a two-day monitor isn't the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that for its time is just, I mean, it's, that's why it's still copied today. That's why the new elite uses it. Let's say all these other games use it because it's just so simple and effective. It's like our brains just get it, mm-hmm. you know, so it's perfect. Yeah, it's it's a great, and it's a, it's a huge game, procedurally generated. Uh, uh, well, it, 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 it's pro- 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 procedurally generated from the same seed, so it's the same universe every time. Uh, but it's, 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 it's gigantic. And if you think yeah. by the 1984 standards, I mean, uh, for the longest time, it was like one of the biggest games, like, ever. Uh, so, uh, you know, size wise. I'm not sure universe. if our next game is even bigger size wise. The next, Starflight. We'll talk about, let's talk about Starflight a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think, do you have anything else to add to, to Elite? And will you recommend it? I never got far enough to trigger the story hmm. in Elite because I would always either die or just get frustrated and move on. Here's or... the thing, and I think like when a lot of people today like praise Elite, uh, you have to take that with a grain of like salt for all the nostalgic yeah. feelings. Like Elite is a very tough and unfriendly game. Like yeah. it, it doesn't want you to to win ever. Uh, it, it, it mocks you openly by assigning the harmless status to, you have to make it your, you basically need to make it, uh, you're given a status depending on, on how well you do in the game and how well you perform in combat from, from harmless all the way to, uh, uh elite, uh, uh, hence the title. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you're lucky if you if you ever get to mostly harmless. Which I think is hilarious because they're both kind of insulting. Yeah, yeah. It like, is, you're not it, super harmless now. You're just kind of mostly harmless. Yeah. You're still a waste. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it, it's 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 a tough game. It's a really difficult and unforgiving, and and very unfriendly game. It's designed to be as such. It's like that by design. So, um, uh, I don't know. Like I will recommend it. Well, people who've played it obviously have fond memories of it and can play it but to a newcomer i feel that it, it can be a bit too cruel oh i don't know if i'd recommend this to a new player today yeah. like it, even even one of the newer ports like was it ulit and oh and, there's and, so and, many and pioneer the newer ones even those are just kind of eye-bleedingly difficult at times you know that i think that's one of the reasons elite dangerous is doing it so well because it remembers its history but it also strives to be more fun and accessible to a new audience. Right. Yeah, you still need to dock, but but you can kind of you have help docking. I saw some footage. I I, I don't have a machine powerful enough to run it, but it looks beautiful. And it kind of looks like 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 a modern day elite. It really does. And docking is I mean the slot is a lot bigger. There's uh, two sides of it now and one has green lights so you know which side to go in. And it's just the space station does not spin as quickly. So it's it's nowhere near as I mean you still got to learn it but it's nowhere near as a ch- as much of a challenge. Right. Thank goodness really cuz you don't want people like rage quitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> That's no fun. Yeah, back in the day when you had like a, uh, you know, when you played Delete on on one of those computers that loaded off tapes and you needed, you know, like 10 minutes to load it and uh, you yeah, couldn't exactly. save and all you had is five tapes to play all together. You know, you you, you, you did sit down and, and, and yeah. also were like eight years old. You did sit down and put the time in. But nowadays, uh, no, no. no. There's, too, there's too much to play these days and there's there's too much good stuff. Yeah. I know I don't have the patience I did when I was um, 13 or 11. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I have no. more games to play too. That's true. <laughs> so let's let's move on to to Starflight. Oh, the big one, the best one, in my opinion. Starflight, for those of you who don't know, is a top-down space adventure game set in a very large open universe um, that takes place in the 31st or 32nd century. Uh, you are given a ship by the people of Arth, not Earth, Arth, and, uh, are supposed to save the universe. Um, I'm not gonna spoil. Well, c- do you care about spoilers for a 30 year old game? Uh, no. Well, it, it, shit. Uh, I mean, it, it depends. Uh, cause that game has one of the biggest twists I've ever encountered in gaming. Alright, so save it. Okay. I'll save that part. But <laughs> basically, there's a race of really evil aliens meant to destroy the universe, and you have to stop it. And basically, you do this by improving your ship, um, by meeting other aliens and talking to them and getting information out of them. In a way, it's there hasn't been a game like it except maybe for its sequel and a couple of others that just give these... you the, Like the first time you look at the star map and realize you can go to all these different colored dots that are full star systems... And you just like to have this, just look of, just feeling of awe, like, oh my god, there's this whole universe out there. And the trade in the first game is quite simple. It's basically, you go to a planet, and you find minerals, or you find, like, artifacts and such. And you could trade that stuff back at your starbase for better equipment for your ship, for more credits, um, to train your crew. Cause it's also a role playing game. You have a mm-hmm. custom crew. With, and they have specific stats. Well, yeah, I was going to note that. Like, that's the first uh, uh, of a lot of the games that are coming up on your list actually do have sort of RPG elements yeah, per- pertaining to the crew specifically. Yeah, and this one was probably the first even RPG that I ever played. Um, I had never been, you know, I had never played anything with uh, personal stats or anything like that, but the game made it easy to understand. Like I, it was not hard for my 13 year old brain to grok any of it. Um, if you're a new player now and you want to go back to it, it's hard to recommend yeah. it because it's very archaic. Mm-hmm. Um, it only uses, I think it uses for the most part the arrow keys, the numeric keypad, and like the enter key. There's no mouse support at all. Um, the only time you type anything is when, um, I think when you're, when you, uh, when you uh, select a planet for colonization, I think you can name it, <laughs> but I think that's it. So for the most part, you're selecting number keys, like for responses for um, to talk to aliens, or you're using the up and down, left and right keys to move your ship and to move your all-terrain vehicle when you land on planets. That was one of the amazing things about that game is you can land on most of the planets in the, in the game. Right, right. Can we talk uh, about like the the world and like the graphical representation a little bit? Right. Uh the graphics were in a way very crude, but some of it at the time is pretty cool. It was amazing. Like you'd land and you'd see the planet slowly 
it's take like, up your entire screen and it would have these like poly- polygonal it's like, it's like a 3D wireframe kind of landscape yes. that like folds unfo- or unfo- I, don't know, I don't fucking know how to describe it but it's like it's clearly 3D uh, it, yeah. it's really well done and just the general sort of like when you talk to aliens you, you sort of got like little representations like almost like wasteland style I remember this is one of the few games, if I recall, because the Tandy 1000EX, like most PCs had a one-node one bleep, 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 bleep mm-hmm. thing, but the Tandy had like a three-node three little yeah. synth thing. And there were a few games that actually used that. Mm-hmm. And when they did, you're like, wow, this is the most amazing sound I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> At least back then. <laughs> Until you got an AdLib card and then everything changed. But... um but yeah, this this game is basically an exploration story driven kind of story driven. It's very open the fact that you can you do have kind of a goal, but and there is kind of a timer, but you can also kind of just go off and go, "Oh, I'm going to land on this planet. Oh, look, there's a ruin. Oh, look, there's an artifact that'll improve my ship. Oh, look, there's some minerals I'm going to mine. I'm going to mine those and take that back to my base and sell it." Uh, you can just spend a lot of time just wandering around. Mhm. And, and part of the joy in that game is not only improving your ship and improving your crew, which become, who become total badasses by the end of the game. Um, it's, it's the amazing races you meet in that game. Uh, the Ulhek, the Velox, the Spemen, uh, just really unique, very specific races that are very different from each other. Mm-hmm. And you had to treat each of them a specific way. Like one race, you always had to be mean to, or else you wouldn't get anything done with them. One race, you had to be nice to, or you wouldn't get anything done. And one race, you could never even talk to them. Just be like, fuck you. That's it. Uh, that's the Gazertoid. If you remember the Gazertoid, they like were water dwellers, and they would just always shoot at you. Uh, one of my favorite memories of that game is after you beat the game, you can still play. Not like the second one, which was weird. But in the first game, you can keep playing after the main story is over. And you have this badass ship with cloaking devices, all kinds of shit. And one of my favorite things would just be to find Gazertoids and just have them shoot at me and never be able to hit me. And just imagine how pissed off they are. Like, cause I'm shooting at them and they're, they can't hit me ever cause I'm cloaked. And, oh, I just, I just laughed and laughed. You fucking gazertoids. Um, they, yeah, but, but they were important too. Like every race is important because you needed to get certain bits of information from them to advance the story and to advance, you know, your own, you know, knowledge. So you, every race was important in a certain way. There was no wasted race in this right. game. Um, so I think to, I think even today it is still a groundbreaking game because I found very few games that impart just the feeling of awe and exploration and discovery that Starflight had mm-hmm. even today. Like I think the most recent game that has touched me in that way that sounds weird. Uh, is distant worlds because distant worlds has these um, massive living universes where you can just always discover something, and it's fascinating. So, so that kind of comes close. But Starflight, um, to me, is like really the pinnacle of space adventure gaming. It didn't have a lot of trade, but it had enough of a trade element. Uh, with, you know, trading minerals in for credits and trading in, uh, artifacts for credits and then, you know, improving your ship. That's a, that's, that's kind of a common theme with a lot of these trading games is you use the money to improve your ship. Not really you or your crew, but your ship. But some mm-hmm. games have a crew that you're improving. Um, but 
for the most part, you're improving your ship with better lasers and better shields. And that it's, it's a joy to like run into a race where in the beginning of the game, you're just like, Oh God, please don't hurt me. They're like, what? What? You got something? You got something to say? <laughs> I will fuck you up. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, the progression in that game is, is really a joy. And, and again, if I don't want to spoil it for you, but the twist in that game, Basically, I'm not, I'm, I'm not spoiling anything because this is kind of common knowledge. You have to kind of commit genocide to win the game. Uh huh. But to commit the genocide, you have to kind of commit another form of genocide. And once you realize you have to do that, it's gut wrenching. Absolutely gut wrenching. And no other game has hit me emotionally the same way that way did. Cause the beauty of it is that it's so understated. Like, it's not told in this big cutscene or anything like that. When you realize this, it's in a log you find on Old Earth, I think. Or somewhere, but I think it's Old Earth. You find this log entry and you're reading it, and I had to read it like four times before it really dawned on me what I was reading. And then, like, the rest of the game, I was just had this weight on me. You know, I was like, oh my god. No other game has done that to me. No other game. So, you guys can get I'm I'm just gonna pimp here a little bit if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. You guys can get Starflight one and two on GOG for That's I think what I was six, gonna say. I was like, like it's on GOG, so for six yeah. bucks. It's worth getting if you want to see a p uh, a very important piece of space gaming history. Mm-hmm. Just generally a piece of a very important piece of DOS gaming. Like it's, yeah, it's, very a, it's like a it's it's a it's a very sort of like well now not so much remembered much anymore but be, but it's it's remembered by people who know does gaming yeah it's for still, it's reasons very, still influential like mm-hmm. the most recent like star control the most recent there's a new star control coming out is star there? control 2 there is star docs working on it and um oh, well. star control I, and star control has a lot to owe to oh star yes control. absolutely so a lot of these top-down space adventure games have a lot to owe to starflight so just for a piece of gaming history, you owe it to yourself to at least try it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want the most modern version, we're gonna, I'm gonna just, it's a little slight tangent. Mm-hmm. The, the most modern version is for the Sega Genesis. It's, it's prettier, it's more detailed in a lot of ways. Like, when you're landing on a planet, remember in the DOS game, the computer lands you. Uh huh. In the Genesis game, you land manually. So you have to actually apply thrusters to land. It's amazing. But the thing is, the first time I landed, I didn't know that. So my ship goes, boom, and bounces, boom, and like 70% damage. Like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I had to land myself. Um, so if you can track down like a emulated version of the Genesis version, uh, and if you have an interest, it's kind of worth it just to see the difference between the two because they did actually – I'm not gonna say improve the game, but enhance it quite a bit. I'll definitely the check. Uh, gonna be checking it out. I have a Retron Five, so uh, all the more reason to actually try something. Genesis, the Genesis version is probably the most refined version of Starflight, but that you can just get the DOS version, which is the version I played. The version that the, this is a DOS podcast, so that's what we'll focus on on GOG uh, for six bucks. It's worth it just to play mm-hmm. around with it and see what they did with two low-density goddamn floppies back in 1986. Because this game was on two low-density floppies, and they had a <laughs> 100 solar systems, and uh, over a 100, and most of them had at least one planet. 
and a lot of them have planets you could actually land on and yeah. drive around the like entirety of the planet if you wanted to. You'd have to like refuel and leave and refuel and leave. You'd have to like take off a few times and land a few times, but you could do it. You know? So it was really like like Elite. It was really an amazing technical achievement for its day. Mm-hmm. Like just incredible. Yeah, I will also recommend it. Yeah. Oh, so good. So the next game when I first saw the next game in um remember Egghead Software? I don't know if you remember Egghead Software, but uh back in the day Egghead was like the place to buy DOS games, at least in, in my neck of the woods. And uh uh that and like E B, but E B was in a mall far away. So Egghead <laughs> Egghead was the thing. Uh and this game looked like a sequel to Starflight, so I I jumped on it. It isn't. It was also made by Electronic Arts, I believe, but it was not a sequel to uh Starflight. It's a little different. Uh in instead of this massive thing shall, of solar systems you're in one sh- shall we say what the name is? Oh, I'm sorry. It's called <laughs> Sentinel Worlds One Future, Future Magic. Magic. Weird yes. title, especially considering that there is only ever there's only ever one. Sentinel Worlds there was one. Kind of, sort of a sequel type yes, thing. So I've, they, so I've read, but it, it's yeah. still, it's not called that. It's, it's not, yeah, there wasn't ever a two or anything. Um, but this game takes place in, um, one solar system, I believe, uh, with multiple planets. But the planets are very detailed and you actually, it's, it's, it's a different scale, but at the same time, when you land on a planet, you're actually, controlling individual team members. So instead of just one ATV going several miles, you're controlling individual team members going into individual buildings trying to, you know, solve the story. And uh, you could have, I believe, up to five members, one of which could look like the Terminator. I'll always remember that. <laughs> one guy, had the he looked like Arnold with the gla- sunglasses, which I will never forget. And um, in a lot of ways, it was similar to Starflight in that a lot of the combat was top-downy. And, um, and landing on the planet was top down and even controlling individual team members. You didn't even see your team members. Your team members were like hollow dots that you moved around a map very slowly. But the best part about it was when you orbited a planet, like you saw the planet through your front window. Uh huh. And you'd be flying over it and it would play this like three tone, you know, the, the Tandy, the three tone music. And you're like, I just want to sit here for a while. <laughs> and, and stare at this planet beneath me. I want to believe I'm on this spaceship. But this game also had traits similar to Starflight in that, you know, you would fi- you would find things to sell, you would find, you know, minerals, I believe, and stuff. Uh I I don't remember this one as much as Starflight. This one was brutally difficult. I believe I got to a point where I could not get past this one encounter. And I had upgraded my guys and their equipment and everything as much as I could with the money I had. And I, I, if I recall correctly, I could not get past this one encounter. So I, I don't finish a lot of games. I mm-hmm. finished Starflight maybe four times. I never finished this one because I couldn't get past this one part. Um, this game is, is pretty fucking difficult, but it's also pretty amazing. The sad thing is it's not available anywhere digitally. Right. Um, you can't buy this on GOG, which is a shame because it's not a bad game. It's just crazy hard. I've never but, played it. Like I, uh, I, I barely even heard of it. I think all I've heard of it is like I, I know it's an RPG 
It, it's yes. more more of an RPG than anything else, and uh, yeah, it is more RPG ish than Starflight. Yeah, yeah. and it, it has a crew that's essentially your your party to control, and uh, that's a that's about as my knowledge of that game goes. Right. I mean, it's a very good game. It's very detailed, but it's it moves re- like when you're on the planet to move guys around, it moves so slowly. Because you have to move every individual guy like a few steps, I think, and then you have to turn a corner and then move a few steps and then turn another. It's it's kind of maddening. Uh, back in the day, yeah, when you had more patience, it's like, okay, I've got eight hours before school. I'll just, eh, 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 that's yep. fine. Eh, eh, eh. But now, fuck it, I got to work in the morning. I got, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go play something else. Um, I don't got time for moving you three feet. So, uh, yeah, this is a hard one to recommend. To more modern gamers because it's very difficult and very obtuse. But a good game. A good game. If you're, if you're interested in space gaming history and DOS space gaming history, this is one to look up. Um, hmm. cause it's, 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 it was written, uh, it was, who did, Carl Buter. He did something else. He did a few other things. Um, what else did he do? Um, God, I'm trying to remember. He did other things. But, um, Earth Orbit Stations. He did a bunch of crazy stuff. Spellcraft. He did a bunch of crazy stuff in the in the eighties and early nineties. Same guy behind Hard Nova. Uh-huh. Um, well, that would, which is that the kind of sort of sequel to this. But yeah, so we'll just we'll just kind of gloss over that since mm-hmm. I barely played it. And have you played Hard Nova? Nope. Hard Nova is not officially to the sequel to this to Sentinel Worlds One Future Magic, but it is like so a, a, similar. A spiritual in so successor. Many yeah, is so similar in so many ways that um that uh that uh, that 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 it's 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 worth playing if you like back in the day I played a little of it and it was even more difficult than, <laughs> than so I never got far in it because it, it was harder. I was like, oh my god, no, I can't do this. <laughs> so yeah, uh that came out two years later, I think in nineteen ninety. So uh, yeah, I, I, uh, that, that game, unless you're a collector or, or an enthusiast or a historian, yeah, I don't know about that one. But it's got trading, like the other one. So I put it on the list, but Hard Nova is, is hard. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard Nova. Yeah, it is. Hard. It's very difficult. That I recall. Like, I never got far in it. I don't remember much of it because I'm like, fuck this. I, I like almost flipped it, virtually flipped the table because that's how fucking difficult it was. Wow. So moving on from that, mm-hmm. uh, we are still in 1988. Uh, at this point, you remember SSI. They had, they were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a lot of like Dungeons and Dragons RPGs. They did, they had the, the Gold Box series. The Gold Box, exactly. So I guess at some point someone said we should do one of these in space. So that's where Star Command comes in. Now you might recall, if you know anything about the history of DOS or Windows gaming, that there was an RTS in the mid '90s called Star Command. This has nothing to do right. with the other. There's this also is- Star Command Deluxe, right? Which this also yes, has nothing is- to do with. Nothing at all to do with it. I mean, I think Starkland Deluxe was the enhancement to the original RTS, and then there was Revolution. That was a confusing series. Who knows? It, it, basically, what we're trying to say is this game has nothing to do with other games called Star Command. Nothing at all. Came out in 1988. It's it's also kind of more primarily an RPG. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a gold box RPG from 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 the looks of it. Uh, oh, it's yeah, in space and like the battles, the, the battles don't look like they do in Gold Box RPG. Yeah. I mean, for a reason, obviously, but. Yeah. 
Like, it's kind of the precursor. I, I kind of liken it as a precursor sort of to the Buck Rogers mm-hmm. RPGs. Which, that came d- which, a which, couple years which later. do look like gold bucks. Uh, yeah. Because they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But with this game, it's, it's similar to Starflight in some ways that you have a custom crew and you kind of have a custom ship and, and, and you put it all together and, and, and you go out there and you have to, like, it's in some ways it's even more detailed than, um, than, uh, than, uh, than, uh, Starflight because in this game, like in Starflight, you like had a one race and you made him the scientist and you had one, another guy and you made him the, uh, navigator. But in this game, your characters can have four classes, like pilots, marines, and soldiers. So that even varies things up even a little more. Uh, and this you can also, this has the more detailed combat with you're dealing with the individual characters in combat situations, but you still have space combat. And there's also trade in the other, like similar to the other games where you find shit and you sell shit and you buy shit and like that whole trading, uh, circle. So this, this game, this game is even a little more obtuse than Starflight, in my opinion. Uh, even though this came out two years after Starflight. Um, I played a lot of it, but I don't remember it that well because I just don't, I just don't think it was that super memorable. I mean, it wasn't bad. It just didn't have the same effect that Starflight did. And I think that's not, I think that was not fair. Right. Because I was comparing it to Starflight, even though this is a more linear experience, like this has specific missions and stuff. And, and you don't have to, you don't have, you don't like have to go out right away and do them. You can go off and do other things, but like it was still had that more linear structure. And so I think I unfairly at the time compared it to Starflight, but I still played quite a bit of it. So this is a good game. Sadly, it's also not available anywhere digitally. Um, which is a shame. How great would it be if, like, if they, if God got more SSI games? They have a good deal now, but there's so many more they could get. But it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I assume they, well, I never assume, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they, like, got quite a big chunk of their library. I'm actually surprised by the amount of, of, it's so great. of, of it's how so many great. of SSI's games they've released. I know, so every, anytime knows? there's, anytime there's an SSI game on GOG bought, just, it's an insta buy for me, cause I love SSI, anything, really, just from, from the age of rifle, age of whatever, rifles or tanks or whatever, to, uh, to whatever else. Um, just so, so great. So maybe one day. I, I cannot talk, I cannot speak for that game is, I, I have never played it. I've only seen screenshots of it that I, I think once or twice in my life. Well, yeah, this game, this game is really obscure. Like, I don't think a lot of people would probably remember it. And if I'm wrong, tell, please tell me. But I, uh, I, when I mention this game, people think the RTS from the mid nineties. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that probably isn't helping. Yeah, it's not. That's, I mean, it's not the most catchy of titles. Star Command. I mean, yeah. Starflight isn't the most catchy of titles either, but I don't know. Star Command feels even less catchy. You know, I don't know. Star Command just feels like a title of an RTS. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So, uh, after that, in 1989, we have a game I don't think either of us played, nope. even though it's kind of a, a big one. Like, I know a lot of people who have played this and have very fond Did memories they? of of Space Rogue. I know a bunch of people who played Space Rogue by Origin. And a lot of them really loved it. And I, for, so, I, for some reason, I completely missed this game. 
I don't know how. I'm going to play it eventually, but um, I somehow completely missed it. But this game, it's not a roguelike. I know that word <laughs> means means that these days, but this is not a roguelike. Um, it's kind of precursory Wing Commandery almost. It's I mean Chris Roberts. I think he actually did kind of work on this. I, th- I think he had something to do with it. I don't I don't think he was um like the guy behind it, but I think he had some. I think he w- might have worked on it before Wing Commander. But uh, this is kind of pre origin pre Wing Commander origin space. Um, trading RPG thing, and apparently it's quite good. I, I've heard, I know a lot of people who just love this game, and I'm, I don't know how I missed it. I so don't I'm, even know what it looks like, to be honest with you. Uh, it's actually, it's, it's actually got elements of first person space flight. Um, really? Apparently, yeah. Again, I never played it. No, I, I've never even seen screenshots of it, to be honest. But what I have seen, especially lately, because I've been looking through a lot of old <laughs> MS-DOS ads, um, and the the ad for it is is the same as the box art. Uh, that game, this game, has the most uh, in, incredible box art. Uh, it makes no sense. It yeah, it's called no Space sense. Rogue, and right. on the cover there's a, a very handsome. Uh, 80s gentleman in like a leather jacket hold, yeah. holding a helmet. Uh, he's kind of got Rick Springfieldy hair. Yeah, he's got bit. that. He's like he's about to like a uh, like a break into like a like a, a shitty 80s pop love song. As he even has that facial expression, really. Like uh, uh, there's just something about it. Like he belongs in Top Gun uh, uh, kind of vibe to it. It's really weird. Why? I think w- he's wearing two jackets. Oh my god! I don't He's even know. I'm not. I don't want to look at it because I was. I'll just end up laughing for five minutes. But it's uh, really funny, you guys. It's basically a guy in a leather jacket with like leather gloves. You know, I'm gonna make that on YouTube when this goes up on YouTube. I'm just gonna make that single image, the the, the background for the whole dura- totally. duration totally. of the podcast. Let's put this is the background. He's holding what looks like a dirt bike helmet that someone glued <laughs> like a, a stripes uh, on, like an, like an RC <laughs> antenna. On this, like some, one of those big rubbery black antenna, someone glued that to the side. You know, he's holding that helmet. He looks really serious. Like, yes. You know, yeah. Like, like, I, I, he wishes he had Jesse's girl. Yes. Really? Badly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, see what I'm telling you? Like, I, it's, it's, it's really weird. Um, it's a really weird cover for a game. He's it's called Space Rogue. He doesn't look like a. Of- Space he's got like to a me. belt slash lanyard going through. It's not even a full lanyard. It's a belt that goes down. I'm looking at a blow up. I'm looking at a blow up of the cover now. It's a belt going through. Like, you know those jackets? They have the holes in the shoulder that you can sling yes. things through, whatever. He's got a, what looks like an cheesy 80s leather, well, it is 80s, leather belt going through one of them. So it kind of looks like a lanyard, like a Chewbacca type lanyard, but you can tell it's a fucking belt. And it ends at his midsection. So it's like, oh, why do you have this? It's like someone just threw this fucking shit together. Guys, he's got like a scarf <laughs> that like a World War One flyer would wear. Why do you have that in space? I, I don't know. That, that yeah, whole thing, this... there's nothing rogue or, or space about no. it. It's, no, it's... I mean, the only thing that's spacey about it is there's some planets behind him. Yeah, Otherwise, the... he could be going, he could be doing like a BMX uh, dirt bike challenge right now. Uh, for all I know, you know, no, he, I, I mean, don't he's, see a he, like, uh, to me, it always looked like I was like, he's just about to like do some 
stunts to to the danger zone in the background. Like it's <laughs> it's like he just has that, and even his face, like it's weird. And like they clearly got a dude that like let's find like a model. You know what I mean? Like that, let's find a model for this game. Like the game is called fucking Space Rogue. Draw a spaceship and the fucking explosion behind it. I, I don't know something. Like, something that's not that. <laughs> it's kind of funny. On a slight tangent, we had some of the guys behind um, the New Descent game on uh-huh. our podcast recently. And they were talking about the box cover for... Uh, you remember the game Star Lancer? Uh, was- I remember the game, but I can't picture the... I cannot picture the box art. The box cover originally was supposed to be this awesome-looking spaceship shooting another spaceship. But somehow in the 11th hour, it got changed to... What looked like a spacey romance novel with a guy and a girl just kind of standing there looking alluring made no sense. That's kind of what this reminds me of. Like, why? Makes no sense. So that's really what we know about the game, folks. Yeah, pretty much. If if you like it, please leave us a comment or something. But uh, I think I've got enough enjoyment out of just looking at the cover. Now that I think of it, I'm probably I'm gonna add. I do weekly let's plays on my site of different games, and I'm gonna add that to the rotation. I'm gonna put Space Rogue in there somewhere. Cause Good. Holy crap! Well, let That's, me know. Let let me know what you think. Oh, I'm I'm excited about it because again, so many people I know like really dug this game. But moving on to 19, uh, another game in 1989. Let's talk Starflight 2. This actually has the word trade in the title. Mm-hmm. Starflight 2 Trade Routes of the Cloud Nebula. This game came out three years after the original and added crazy ass trade system. Like, did you ever play this one? Nope. Not even touched it. I don't even okay. know what it looks like. Again. Okay. It happens graphics- to be a, a common trend, I see, for, with, with space trading games and myself. The graphics are a bit improved from the original. The difference is the universe is, I think, a bit larger. It's got a giant nebula in the middle that could, like, totally kill your crew members. Certain crew members, certain t- certain races of crew members will totally go insane if you stay in the nebula too long. I'm not even kidding. No. Um, but it had a trade system. It added, like, cities on the planet. Like, in the original game... When you landed, there weren't any like intelligent life. There was there was like animals and ruins and minerals. Yep. In the second game, you had cities with like they were like plants that like actually had sentient cultures on them, and you could learn about their culture. But they also you could also trade with them to get specific artifacts, specific equipment, and sometimes the trade was really elaborate. Like at one point, I needed this one specific thing. And to get that thing, I had to go to another race to trade something else for it. But for that, for that thing, they wanted me to go to another race to trade something else. And then they wanted me to go to it. So I had to go to like six different planets, if I recall, to circle back to get this one thing. Uh, so it's kind of crazy. Wow. Um, but you can also trade other things, um, at the cities and trade centers, like equipment and money and, and fuel. The nice thing, oh, I, I can't say that because that spoils the first game. Never mind. But, um, this game was a bit more detailed than the first one because of the trade system. And there was also time travel in this one, which was really wonky because one of the races, like there was a race, um, in the first game. I think they were called the Spemen. And there were these gelatinous, like unicell, thing looking things and they were totally weak they were totally wimps but you start the second game and they've got like this crazy technology they're kicking your ass they're taking your money and they're like what so you find out i'm I'm gonna spoil this one little bit they traveled forward in time got this amazing technology and then came back with it (laughs) so you got to figure out how they do that do the same thing come back and then kick their ass they're like oh god i'm sorry i'm sorry 
What do you need? Oh, God. So they eventually end up being the wimps they were in the first game. But, yeah, so the second game has several uh, elements to it that the first game didn't, like the trading and, like, the time travel. The only the, – the, it would have been – I would th- – I think the second game could have been better than the first if it didn't end. Like, Starflight 1, once you finish the main story, you can keep flying around. You can keep discovering planets. You can mm-hmm. keep – you know, the second game, you finish the story – you get a screen that says, the end. Dospo. Uh, like, fuck. I wanted to keep playing that. Shit. So, that's like the one downside to that game, is that it fucking ends. And the only, and the thing is, you can't find, uh, there's no uh, Genesis version of that. I think the best version you could probably get is maybe the Amiga version. That might be the most refined version of Starflight 2. Uh, maybe. But the nice thing about Starflight 1 and 2 is for the $6 on GOG, you get them both. <laughs> you get them both, which is really nice. Because it would have been kind of silly to charge $6 for one of them, I think. Right. So it's right. really nice that they threw them in together. And I don't know if you recall the copy um, protection schemes for these two games. I didn't mention that in the last one. But in the first one, you had a code wheel. Do you remember code wheels? Some games had these. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember code wheels really well. Yeah. Uh, for folks that don't, a code wheel was it would tell you two different things. And you line that up, those two different things on the code wheel, and then in the code wheel, it would tell you a third thing that had a number underneath it. And then mm-hmm. you typed in that number. And that proved that you had a legal copy of the game. With the first game, I think the second game too, I didn't really test it, but the first game, if you didn't put that in right, after maybe a week, you get stopped by the cops. And they would ask you to put in the number again. And if you didn't do it right, game over. Back to DOS. Right, it was right. great. I love that. Uh, the second game was even crazier. Basically, the second game, you use the map. It came with this big... Remember when games came with shit? Yes, I do. Uh, oh, boy. It came with a big, huge fold-out map and, a like, a cardboard square with a hole... Like, with a square middle in the middle mm-hmm. of it. You had to, like... The, the game would tell you, put the, put the upper edge of the map... Put the upper edge of the square on this map coordinate, and then count how many red stars are in the square. Yeah. That's bullshit. Put that in. I, I hate that and, sort like, of thing. Wow. Yeah, that, like back in the day, the most common copy protection was like, open your manual to page 18. Yeah, and like tell me the first letter. Further, the, third, the, the, the fifth paragraph, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the it's better when it's like creative. Uh, there's some things with maps. I mean, Star Control 2 has a... Uh, uh, I mean, is it Star Control 1 or 2 has a star map? And you just you just find the names on the map? I think so, yeah. That Star Control 2 uh, borrows a lot from these, which we'll talk yeah. about. But... Uh, but yeah, that, those games had crazy copy protection, but they're definitely, again, they're worth checking out. Um, I don't recommend if you're going to play these, do not jump right to the second one mm-hmm. because first one really, it, it doesn't just build the world. It, it like the events of the second game take place after the events of the first. So if you put just jump right into the second, things will be like, what the fuck? Why do I care about this? Why, who are these people? So. The, the first one does a much better job of building the world. So if you're going to play these, and they take hundreds of hours. Like, they're massive, massive games. Like, I think the second time I played it, I drank a six-pack of Jolt Cola. Do you know what Jolt Cola <laughs> Yes, I do. I drank a six-pack of Jolt Cola. did you go back Jolt- to the 90s for that? <laughs> this is the late 80s. I drank a six-pack of Jolt Cola and stayed up for five days, four or five days, playing Starflight. Wow. Yeah. And then I slept for a week, but, uh, <laughs> pretty mostly, but, um, yeah, these are huge games that take a 
massive investment in time. So if you're going to play these, make sure, and there's so, there's so many games to play, but if you're going to play these, they just take a long time. They're, 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 they're like Skyrim hugeness level of massive vividity. So if you're going to play these, I recommend you do. Yeah. You need a lot of time. Um, hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours. Uh, I don't even know if you can do a speed run <laughs> of these games. I mean, to be honestly, that pretty much applies to almost all the games on your list. I mean, space trading games are generally pretty long. They are. They are. So we've talked about universe. There are three universe games. And the last one came out in 1989. I haven't uh, touched any of them, so that's you. I actually own physical copies of all three of them. Really? Because that's, I'm, I'm nuts. One thing that, uh, uh wait, uh, before anything, one thing uh, that was on, on my list that when I was doing my research and, uh, okay. you, you didn't mention for Universe 2, it says that the base exploration is done as a text adventure. Is it? Apparently so. Hey, that's what I read. Don't take that's my word amazing. for it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I never got that far. I'm just like, Three hours to orbit. Fuck this. <laughs> you know? So I got shit to do. I got dishes to wash. So uh, I did not get that far, but that's pretty amazing. I I believe it. Um, so we all we did talk about Hard Nova, which came out in 1990. Very 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 similar to Send the Worlds One, which came out two years before. Uh, now we're getting, uh, to 1990, so let's talk about the light speed slash hyperspeed games. This, which these, is interesting. These are interesting. Can, uh, I yeah, have you can buy hyperspeed. Oh, yeah, oh. you can buy hyperspeed on Steam right now, which is nuts. Oh, that's Not true, on GOG. that's right. It's, uh, well, Not on GOG, uh-huh. but Steam. Well, it's, uh, Night Dive, right? Release them. Uh, yeah. Because they got oh, a whole bunch I'm, of microprose titles. It's a microprose oh, I'm game. I'm loving Night Dive for all the shit they're releasing. Mm-hmm. It's so. There's going to be more coming too. They get big. I know. I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited. But, um, Hyperspeed and Lightspeed, they're almost exactly They're pretty much the same, the same game. game, yeah. Same game. Co-designed by Sandy Peterson. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, the guy who created the Call of Cthulhu uh, RPG oh, and uh, made the... Andy Hollis, holy shit. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, Sandy Peterson is, well, he's kind of known for that and not known for that, but he designed a fair share of levels in Doom and Doom 2. Some of my favorite levels of Doom 2 he actually designed, so... Great, well, I'm, I'm, great guy. I'm a huge fan of Andy Hollis for his Jane's um, flight sims, oh, like yes. Longbow and Longbow 2. So I'm like, oh my, I didn't know that Andy Hollis worked on these. Uh, so hyperspeed, basically, you're flying a ship that's the size of Manhattan. Huge, cumbersome beast that doesn't really move well. Mm-hmm. It's very slow to turn mm-hmm. or move up and down. But... You basically, if I recall, you're trying to find, uh, you're exploring the galaxy to try and find a new home. I don't remember I what the story is, but we I should think... probably say that this is also, unlike the last few games that we've mentioned, this is actually, you know, like a first person 3D, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, simulator this is, game. This is first person. And there are two first person modes. There's the flying the main ship, which is this big clunky thing, mm-hmm. but there's also, uh, fighter drones you could launch that you also fly. Um, which is where, you know, which is how you do combat. You also have turrets. So mm-hmm. I guess there's three. Um, but, it, but in this game, there's uh, a, there's we, a big gimmick. What's the gimmick? Well, the gimmick is that you, uh, you rearrange the parts of the, of the ship. Oh, right. Yeah. That's, that's the like thing. the game's it's main really- mechanic. It's really weird. It's a weird decision. It is. And if I recall correctly, the trade doesn't actually involve money as in, as in, 
In fact, it involves parts. It mm-hmm. involves trading those parts for better parts. And also those those are the parts that get damaged when, when you get shot at. Exactly. And then you have to find replacements. Mm-hmm. It's it's very... Uh, but you're literally, like, you turn around and there's all of a sudden from the 3D thing, you're like, you, it scrolls off. And I remember it's been, it's been a long time, but uh, you literally just get this sort of, like, screen full of, like, different modules... Yeah. But you can move yeah. around and you can also shut them on and off because that's the way the energy is distributed. Uh, I don't know if I'm making sense right now. It's really hard. No, you to, totally are. But, yeah, the, yeah. There was a, there was a power distribution thing and you could turn certain things on and off to save power. Yeah. So that's um, how you manage like everything in the game. Shields, uh, yeah. uh, whatever, like everything that pertains to your ship. And a lot of the component, a lot of the, like your shields and your engines used similar components. So you had to carry extras on hand, uh, in case something broke. Yeah, the en- the engineering part was also almost kind of like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this fits here, and mm-hmm. this fits here, this fits here to work. And so, it was it was almost like its own little mini game of sorts uh, in in trying in improving your ship. But uh, this game, the, you, again, you're not trading for money like a lot of the other games. You're trading for parts or pieces of or or certain or like I want to trade you. Like, I have a surplus of this part. I need more of this part. Give me that. And so you go around talking to the other races, and uh, you trade parts and improve your ship and certain parts, and you get you get better parts and stuff. So I haven't played this. I own it on Steam, and I have not I, – I haven't touched it. I just – as soon as it was available, I'm like, bye, because that's how I am. Um because I have to own copies of things. It, it's been a but, long time for me as well. Yeah, so I don't even know how to like it. recommend it or not because I, I remember very little about it. Like I don't remember the difficulty. I obviously never got very far in it. So yeah. I don't know. It's just because it was the time where I didn't have manuals or anything else. So I didn't know how to how to play properly. But right. I know some people really like it though. Uh, oh, yeah. I loved this back in the day. I played the fuck out of it. Uh, I don't. I don't think I finished it, and if I did, I don't remember the end. Uh, again, I don't finish games because I have a short attention span, so it's very, it's rare for me to finish a game. Um, so I don't know if I finished this one, but I played a lot of it, and it, it's fun because, you know, the ship you're flying is so massive, it can hold quite a bit. Um, and it, you feel it when you're trying to fly, it's like... Um, so it's kind of fascinating, you're flying this massive ship, um, so it's it's a neat game, and I would get it if you're interested in, in the genre and its history. Get it on Steam on sale. Uh, I think it actually might be on sale right now. <laughs> well, this is not going to drop right now. This is probably going to be a while before before oh, I really? put this out. Yeah. So yeah, that's hyperspeed and light speed. Essentially, the same game. Yeah, came I out cannot quite picture what the things i remember because uh matt barton uh has a episode well a few episodes with uh sandy peterson and oh, i think okay. they they talk about both but i cannot quite remember anything that he said about it so yeah i'm having a tough time differentiating between the two in my head i mean they look exactly alike even like yeah i mean the graphics are only a tad slightly improved in hyperspeed but i think beyond that it's pretty much the same game mm-hmm so moving on to the juggernaut of 1992. Oh yes, this is when I graduated college. That's how old I am. Uh, Star Control Two. Uh, now this game, this is I I, I love Star Control Two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that right off the bat, but it's almost part and parcel a copy of Starflight. 
in so many ways it borrows from Starflight. Yeah, well, well, absolutely. I mean, it has everything different, different races, uh, different races. Uh, it, the, the, the big deal is the combat, the real time combat. Yes. The first game. Well, here's the thing. The first game was only combat. Yeah, I mean, there was some kind of planet conquering thing, but that was like uh, secondary to it, the it putting was, ships together just, and yeah, shooting each other. It was just other. a combat. And then they just decided basically, let's take Starflight and slap it on top yeah. of that. And that became Star Control 2. Only it's, uh, well, I guess a, a bit more comedy heavy. It's a lot funnier. Yeah, I mean, it's very sarcastic, self aware. The Starflight games have their humor. Mm hmm. But it's much more subtle. It's kind of like British humor almost. Yeah, no, here it's in your face. Drier. Yeah, here it's much more like American in your face yes. humor. It's great, you know? though. I mean, uh, yeah, of course. Star Control 2 play. is one of the best PC games ever. And it's also very honest. accessible. Yeah, very, it's much more accessible than Starflight, which, I mean, that's, that's fair. It came out six years later, so they had six years of UI improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I honestly, didn't like the, these as much as the Starflight games. Well, I think it's not it's the same thing. Yeah. I know, but it, it's the same thing in concept, but, 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 right. uh, but it, I'm the flow it. is very different. Right, but I'm playing it. I'm like, wow, this is so, I could be playing. So I didn't, I don't dislike it. I love Star Control uh-huh. too, but it just doesn't have as hollowed a point in my pantheon of amazing games. Like it's not in my top five. Really? Starflight. What's well, not in my, my top, top five. five? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, Star Control Two is not in my top five e- either. But it's if I was making a list, 20, but uh, if I had to make a list, it'd be in the. Top I mean, there is 20. actually a list of a hundred DOS games behind me, and Star Control is on there. But uh, there is no, di- there, there is no, um, there is no, you know, like placement exactly. So I cannot tell uh, you. It's somewhere halfway. Uh, uh, actually, my list is alphabetical, so what am I talking about? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I would like to say that Star Control 2 is on GOG, right? I'm pretty yes. sure. It has been, yes. it, it's also, is available on, uh, 3DO, uh, if anybody remembers that thing. And, it's apparently, and according it, to Moby Games here, it's apparent, it's on 3DO, Android, gp 2 Well, it's, it's because th- all of that stuff is, uh, GP2X is like an, uh, uh open platform. Yeah, for for games, whatever. Nobody cares anymore. It's like ten years old now. Uh, but that's because at one point it was open sourced as the Orcon uh, the Orcon Masters, and right. that you can still get for free. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. If you don't ha- if you don't want to buy it, just go to the uh, go get the the open source one. It has all kinds of enhancements if you want, like the re- yeah. track remixes, which I wouldn't recommend. But uh, uh, but whatever. <laughs> know, right? It's it, it's an amazing game to me. Mostly, uh, unlike the, again, we keep jumping, but this game is 2D, and it doesn't look too great, right? It's like sort of, uh, all the spaces are presented in flat space. Right. And you sort of it's use- It's so charming. It's it is. It's so charming. It's great, but like you, you fly your little ship in the beginning, little ship in the beginning, uh, into planets, you can land on planets, and you, uh, can talk to, uh, to all kinds of, uh, races, and, uh, uh, form alliances or, or not, uh, with them. And then you get to sort of, uh, uh, build your little ship and, and fight other ships in a, in, in pretty hardcore action arcade sequences where like, yeah, the screen is like zooming in and out and crazy. And you just hoping that you fired enough rockets and, and like sometimes battles last literally like five seconds. Uh, I know. Cause sometimes you'll like, you'll be like, boom, boom, done. Yes. <laughs> Like that's that's what it is, but it's it's great and yeah, uh, it's it's very story driven, 
um it's pretty big uh the music it's, big, it's one of those games with the uh, uh rare for pc mod music uh all, right. all done by uh mod music enthusiasts uh of the time uh it was outsourced i believe uh right. uh to people who knew and cared so the soundtrack is great and yeah i think the action is great i think the exploration is great i think the story is great so and it's right. it's very accessible like that's the thing yeah. like it, it, it might not be modern you know it's, it's no. not, not modern by any means but like you can if you're into retro games and you've never played star control 2 i don't you know what you're waiting that. you should you yeah you should just download right it download, you don't yeah. even have to pay for it if you really want to pay for it pay for it get this star control 2 uh on on gog and it comes with support star control G- one for gog if you can yes. yeah but if you if you can't if you can afford it it's free and now yeah. on just about every platform apparently as well now, am I remembering that the, the second, the Star Control 2 also had, like, the first game, one of my favorite joys of the first game was getting with a friend and oh, fighting each melee, other on the it, same computer. It's separate. It's like a separate, uh, right, but you can do that. Yeah, yeah, second, it's basically, well, here's the thing, like, inside the, the, the second game, there's basically the same mode, uh, right. as the first game, so you can just do the action scenes with custom ships together. I, I, I love playing the race that had the flying saucer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because one, they could stop at a dime. Like there's physics in this game, so you'll you'll drift and you'll yeah and everything. So mm-hmm. there's physics. You won't stop on a dime mm-hmm. unless you're this one race. And they have these tiny little saucers, and they're not the toughest ship, but they're hard as fuck to hit, and they can teleport randomly all over the place. So I I love playing them and just pissing off my friends. Also, like, stop uh, teleporting, Brian. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's like the benefit of playing the remake. Actually, that that you can use uh, the voice pack, the the 3DO voice pack, and 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 have all the races actually haven't been voiced, un- unlike in DOS version, which is silent. Well, not right, not, not not silent. Like kind of the, yeah, 3DO is kind of the most enhanced. Yeah, 3DO the got the speech pack basically and the remixed music. I don't know how I feel about the remixed music exactly. And since then, you can also get like a different pack for the for the uh, for the open source version uh, with like a fan remixes, which are a bit better. But I, I like to stick with the original music. But the voice pack is actually really good because the voices for for different races are, are pretty comical. Oh dear lord. Oh, yeah, so guys, that game is really just a legend in the pantheon of DOS gaming and space DOS gaming. So if you haven't played it, go get it. Urquan Masters or on GOG, get the, excuse me, original. They're worth mm-hmm. owning. Um, so the next game is very obscure. I never heard of it until recently. We're moving on to 1993's Command Adventures Starship. No, never heard of it either. Yeah, I, I I did a let's play of it a while back, and it's a it's a weird game. Like apparently, you land on planets to take them over, and then when you take them over, you take stuff off them and you trade that stuff to better your ship. But I could never really finish a planet mm-hmm. because the game would always crash. Oh. So I never got that far. It looks so, like the p- planet stuff is like RTS style, right? It kind of is. Yeah, this is actually an interesting game in that it's trying to do a lot of things and it's not terrible. It's just not the most stable game. So it's, it's, you can't buy this digitally. Uh, I'm only including it because it involves, it does involve trade and I have played it, but I can't really recommend it because there are other better games to play. So let's move on. I mean, who the hell? I've never even, is Merit, what did Merit Studios do? That, oh no, Future Vision. Uh, the other yeah. one. Merit, Merit, Merit is a publisher that published a lot of shit. Right. But who the hell, what the hell is, um, who the hell is uh, Future Vision? That's who did that game. Uh, they did. Oh, they did uh, three games. 
Yeah, I, I've, games. I've heard oh, of Harvester. Future Vision. Yep. Harvester was one of those? Yeah, so that's why it's published by, by Marriott Software, because they were like together. They also probably did like a, the, uh, well, part of that team did the, the Fortress of Dr. Ideaki and like other ho- yes. ho- horrible, horrible games. I heard that was terrible. I yeah. never actually played that one. Um, so the big one in 19, there's two big ones in 1993 and one that's close to my heart, but the first big one in 1993 is the sequel to Elite, mm-hmm. Frontier, mm-hmm. colon Elite 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why they didn't just call it Elite 2, colon Frontier, whatever. Um, I guess David Braben wanted to differentiate a little bit. Yeah, for some reason, I, I'm, I've never been clear on why David Braben and Ian Bell parted ways. Uh, I think it's it's pretty clear on the website because they were working on Elite 2 in the 80s. Uh-huh. And I, I guess they didn't like the direction that that, that project was, was taken. Like, they didn't like each other's input uh, mm. in that. So they could never basically eventually ended up, you know, like scraping the whole thing because neither of them were happy with what it was. Mm. And I think uh, uh, Brabian eventually retained the rights uh, to Elite name, but not actually like they they weirdly share the prop the property of the first game, oh. but but not the name. Brabian can make new Elites, obviously, uh, and <laughs> and still does. Uh, and eventually, and eventually, he made uh, Frontier, which was like what he wanted for Elite Two, which uh, which apparently was not what. Uh, uh, Ian Bell wanted. And Frontier is an amazing game. I mean, in 1993, we had never seen anything. It's very technically impressive. Of this scope. I mean, mm-hmm. you can land on planets, planets of cities and settlements. Uh, there's also space stations. It's of beautiful, designs. too. Oh, it's, it's a really gorgeous game. Mm-hmm. And there's you get so sun, much to sunsets, do. sunrises on the yeah, planet. Yeah, and there's so it's much crazy. to do. I mean, there's the usual taxi mission and FedEx missions, but there's also assassination missions if you get good enough with combat. And, and there are, you know, uh, ambassadorial missions and all kinds of crap you can do in this game. It's an amazing virtual world. You can actually get, like, an exploration ship and just go off mm-hmm. and just, like, scoop fuel from the sun and just keep going. It's a real sort of, like open world space oh, adventure yeah. very very heavy sim very uh, heavy I mean like, the controls are crazy yes. uh, combat is terrible yes I uh, am terrible just... at that game I, I, oh. I like oh, yeah. playing it but I've never gotten anywhere in that game it took me so long to get even decent at the combat because it's like full like the new elite is not full Newtonian physics it's a little arcadey but that makes it more accessible and fun this thing is full arcadey so you'll be like doing this jousting thing where you'll like fly at each other shoot a little bit pass each other and have to turn around and reverse thrust and <laughs> so it's the, the, the combat is just jousting back and forth it's not that fun um so but the, the saving grace is the rest of the game with the trade and the missions and, and just the detail. That's the fun part. And mm-hmm. this, it's really just an incredible, I mean, people are still making versions of it. I mean, Elite Dangerous is obviously a more uh, iteration of it, but if you want something more, um, honest to the original Frontier, you have Oolite and uh, not Oolite, um, Pioneer, which is a, a more modern kind of version. Uh, there's also um, what well, was called Paragon. Now it's called Jump Drive. Uh, you can get on Steam, which is also very similar to this game. Um, but yeah, this game back in the day, I mean, the the universe is 
I think, well, Moby Games is saying right here, um, a hundred million planets and moons. Yeah, Jesus. I, I don't, I don't even know if the new Elite gets that big. This game, and this is only on a few floppy disks for fuck's sake. This game is just incredible and it's massive and you could just lose, I did lose myself in this for a long time until one of the other 1993 games came out and kind of Stole its thunder. Right. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but move. I mean, Elite Two is an amazing game, but I, it's hard to recommend in, to to more modern players because it is very. Yeah, I will say. I mean, it might be a bit less forgiving than than than. I mean, a bit more forgiving than the first game, but even but still, by by 1993 standards, it's still really difficult. Right. Right. The next two games are much more forgiving uh in terms of playability and I would recommend those even though this one the one I'm talking about I love this game but you can't buy it digitally it's called Nomad. Oh, yeah, I've never played this game and I don't even know what it actually looks like but I think what I know about it and uh, I I'm I'm hoping I'm not confusing it with some other game. That's a game that uh, Papyrus Software did the did, yes. did a bit of work yes, they for. Did. No, they didn't yes, they exactly did. develop it, but they did some kind of a 3D engine work for it. Well, they are mentioned uh, as co-developers with Intense Interactive on Moby Games here, so they did apparently have a hand in it. Uh, it was published by Game Tech in 1993. It didn't make a huge splash, but it's an amazing exploration, combat, and trading game. And the amazing thing about this game is the trade is fantastic, because you will fly from one planet to another, and there'll be other ships flying around and you can hail individual ships talk to their captains and trade with each individual captain and again there's really no money you're trading things for other things so when you start the game you're a human pilot that got like kind of uh the, the ship crashes on earth and it gets repaired and then you're um you're you you fly it off and it gets taken to another part of the universe and you're like holy shit but you have stuff you can trade with you that these other races don't have like a watch and a chocolate bar. <laughs> so you, you will get some decent shit for that stuff. But, um, you will also find all kinds of shit on your travels. Um, you can like, you can't really land on planets, but you can land probes on planets that can do mining and all, and other kinds of stuff. Um, but you primarily trade with other races in orbit. And you could talk to, uh, inhabited planets through like a video communication system. And I think you can trade with them too. And, uh, there's a race that, uh, there's some kind of mechanized race. Oh yeah, they're called the Korok that these other races are fighting against and you are brought in to help with that. That's why the ship was sent to Earth to kind of like, Hey, we need the humans to help us, um, destroy these, um, destroy these, um, these, uh, evil androids and it's a very accessible game because the controls are pretty simple you, you don't really when you do have combat it's it's mostly mouse driven uh and it's pretty much pointing and shooting uh it's so it's pretty it's not simplistic it's a little simplistic but it's it's fun and it's easy to get into but most of the time you're selecting destinations and things from um a menu of um of numbers so it's a pretty easy game to get into the graphics are very charming very 1993. Very 1993 graphics. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's a game that like for me, it, it has an emphasis on exploration, discovering new planets and, and stuff. So because it does that so well, it has a special place in my heart. Um, so sadly you can't buy it digitally, but if you have any interest, track it down because it's really a 
great, great game that I just love. The only problem is the save game system is funny, so if you die, you lose everything. You'll start, like, if you had this great missile launcher and a bunch of cargo and you die, right. you lose it all. Well, and that's you can't up. really, you can't really get your save back. So, 1993, they didn't give a shit about you. So, <laughs> so, sorry, they did, kinda. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's kinda, it can be frustrating. So, you wanna, like, make sure you save your game often, and even then, it, it doesn't always load. So, you gotta be careful with that. Um, but it's a great game. But again, it was overshadowed by our next entry in oh, yes. which is really, I think, one of the pinnacles of the entire space trading genre. And that's Wing Commander Privateer. Now, yep. if you have not played any of the Wing Commander games, do not start with this one. No. <laughs> Don't. You want to, you want to play them in order of how they were released. So you start with Wing Commander 1. And you pl- and all that shit, all or, those special operations. Or, or, or you can you play, play Wing Commander three. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you, I feel that if you're a newcomer, three works really well. It's really, it's easy to get into. Has fancy, you're probably right. Has Luke Skywalker and a bunch of but other really good actors. But this is a step actors. back graphically and such from that game. Well, so. I mean, uh, yes. And, uh, I'm, no, I was just speaking generally. I mean, like, if, uh, if you haven't played Wind Commander games, you don't want to start with Privateer. But no. I will also say, if you've never played any Wind Commander games and you're not like a super hardcore player, first Wind Commander is also really difficult. So, it is. I, I it will is. say three is like a perfect entry point because it's the last really good game in the series. Hey, four is my favorite. I, really? I can't. Oh, I love four. As a game? Pro- well, or okay. or as a movie, it's a good well, movie, well, but the game is kind of meh. it's there. Well, it, I, the game was the missions weren't as good as three, but I'm a little biased because it's got my favorite fighter in anything, uh, the dragon fighter, which was that cloaking badass thing. Right. Oh my god! I don't I know. I just uh, kind of the fourth game to me seems seems a little bit lacking. It's a bit too linear. Well, it's mm. uh, and uh, and kind of. I don't know. I like seeing the cockpit. This I is like, the, this uh, is the uh, eternal, uh, debate everyone, a lot of people have. Really? There's three veterans, four veterans. Really? No one cares about five. I, I've uh, kind of, I've always, I've always felt that, is, is there a debate? I kind of thought three was like universally yeah. hailed well, as, as the last. Think th- I think the, pe- I think there, I think three, it hit people harder because it was the first really good game of its type. It like was much more like boom in your like full motion amazing video like wow mm-hmm. like this has got actors in it like actors we actually give a shit about and <laughs> the acting is really decent too and surprisingly the if you especially good, the writing is good you think so... about it, it's like ninety four and then like in ninety five you get like s- still so many awful FMV games <laughs> Phantasmagoria. Yeah. Like, like, space pirates and 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 night. Uh, what was that one with the chick from Different Strokes? Uh, night, night trap. Something. Night trap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was filmed uh, in the eighties, actually. Uh, oh, was that the eighties? The game didn't come out till ninety ninety three, but it was actually filmed in like eighty eight. No, because it was originally made for the um, 
uh, arcade machine that would that was gonna run off VHS tapes uh, along with like a bunch of other titles. But eventually they reused the footage and then shot some new stuff. It's really convoluted. Um, but the thing is, like, like s- some bullshit game like Phantasmagoria actually cost more than Wind Commander three, and I to this no. day cannot imagine how can this possibly be like half a million more. And it's like, what was it to rent that fucking hangar that they apparently shot in because of all the echo that ended up because Phantasmagoria, the actors are like from your local, I don't know, street corner. <laughs> are they even actors or, or even people? Uh, I don't know what they are. Pieces of wood in wigs. Uh, and like, uh, it, here in Wing Commander, you got fucking John Reese Davies who like in so many shitty movies, but always, always gives a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like, He's yeah. fucking like, no matter what fucking uh, direct-to-video movie or TV or whatever the fuck he is, like, he's he's a Uwe Ball movie. He's always acting. Here's he acting. We got fucking Mark Hamill. We got, fuck, what's his face? Tom Wilson. I don't, Wilson, I don't want to yeah. call him Biff, but, you know, because it's a bit... It's disrespectful. Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm John McDowell Rick also, uh, that... Uh, fuck. The captain. Yes. Um, I also don't I know. His I don't too. know his name. Him. He's great. I love him, and I can't... He was, the last movie he was in was Liar Liar, and I can't... What? He's been a lot of stuff. No, he died right after Liar Liar. Really? Yeah. Is that why? He was in a lot of stuff before that. Yeah. That was I was movie. like, I remember seeing so much shit with him. No, he died right after... For, Farrell? Not Farrell. Um, Terrell? No, what the fuck was his name? Anyway, uh, would love him. Love that guy. Um, uh, Ginger so Lynn. Was... Ginger Lynn is in that fucking game. Oh, and Tim Curry did the voice of Hobbs. Yes. Oh my god. So, like, right. uh, it's great. The CGI background looked, oh, yeah. looked pretty good. Yeah, so, Wing Commander 3 is great. But, Privateer? Oh, yes. I think uh, that's might what we were talking my, about. In, in the entire <laughs> Wing Commander pantheon? I think it's probably my favorite of all the games. To many people, like, it is. I, I remember seeing... I have a memory coming over to my uh, to my friend's place, and he got uh, the... Uh, was that one of those games where the speech pack was sold separately? I believe at first, yeah. Yeah, eventually the originally, a, um, before the CD version. So, And he yeah. had the speech pack for... Oh, for, shit. For, Wink, uh, for, for Privateer. And like we specifically bought like new speakers for it, um, to show well, off the fu- fu- mind, fucking fucking bastard. Yeah, like because uh, originally I think there is a VO just in the intro, um, in the very beginning of Privateer, but there isn't any voices in the rest of the game. Uh, so the speech pack added the voices like like mid battle and stuff is what what was right. what was most important part you know right. to me at least uh yeah it was cool so uh privateer um takes place it, it's I don't know exactly where in the Wing Commander timeline it takes place but it was released after Wing Commander two and mm-hmm. it uses a similar if slightly improved engine. Uh, really just stylish game. Um, also a very difficult game. Like, yes, I know people. Especially in the beginning, like, like it's, oh, it's hard like to get into. My, my podcast co-host, he like almost threw his joystick across the room because he could just not kill any of the, uh, the bad guys at first. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because you really do start with the Toyota Yaris of spaceships, <laughs> uh, the Taurus, which is just a bucket with engines and a couple of dinky little lasers on it. Uh, I think the game has what four ships total, but you start with this 
it's just this rust bucket. And you don't even have a jump drive to leave the system. So what you do is there are two guilds in the game, the Merchant's Guild and the Mercenary's Guild. And you can start taking missions for them to trade um, and kill pirates and do missions and trade equipment. And eventually you can buy a better ship and you can uh, buy a jump gate, a ju- jump drive and leave the system. And it just opens up this... This sector of the Wing Commander universe that has Korathi in it event every now and then, but isn't really on the front lines like in the other games. It's it's kind of back. So, but it, the the variety of the game is amazing. Like there's a naval base you can land at. There's a there's a what's that plant called Oxford that looks all British, and there's a bunch of plants you land on. They all have different um different equipment and di- not different equipment but diff- they have different prices and they have a different economy but what made this so compelling is is because this was an open-ended game in this universe where the previous games you played one character and you just go through mission 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 but here you got to choose where you went right and it was great seeing like you'd run into military fighters that oh my god I flew that one in Wing Commander 2 you know but right. you're not in the military so you're seeing someone else flying it. Well it was like a, um, a cross between uh, like uh, it's actually an interesting decision I don't know how they arrived to like decision to make this game but it's a cross between uh, Wing Commander and Elite you know. Yeah yeah, and it, and it nails every it takes what's best about both of those games mm-hmm. and, and, and makes it even I think better um because it's it's a difficult game. It's 1993. Games were more difficult then. Uh, that's just a blanket statement. Yeah. But it's also an amazing game. Like this is one of those games where you finish the main story and you can just keep playing. Like I played this for hundreds of hours even after I was done the main story. And the nice thing about this game is there is a story, but you don't hit it right away. You right. like build up your ship and you build up your your finances, and then eventually you'll meet someone at a bar. Which is also where you can get missions, and um, they'll like go here and do this, and then the story will begin. Um, but the thing is, it's not just story mission after story mission after story mission. It's like you do a story mission. It's like okay, I'll, if I need you again, I'll find you, and then you're you can go off and do your own thing again and make more money. And eventually, there um, there's four ships in the game. You start off with this the Taurus, and then you have um, the Orion, and oh, what's the other name of the ship? There's a, there's two like trading type ships. And then there's the Centurion, which is like a civilian fighter. Like it's almost close. It's almost military grade, this thing. And, um, it's great because at one point you get this alien gun that you have to fight off an alien invasion with. Like you've never seen these aliens before. They're not even Kilrathi. Like who the fuck are these guys? But you get a gun that you can like slay anything with and you need it to kill these aliens. Then there's an expansion to the game called Righteous Fire. And the first thing they do, they take your fucking alien gun away and you never fucking get it back. <laughs> Fuck that noise, I said to myself. I never even finished Righteous Fire. I was like, you took my gun. Fuck you. I love that thing. I'm not playing you now. But Privateer, it really is one of the best games of the genre because it really strikes a great balance between playability and 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 style. And, and accessibility. And so you'll be flying back and forth between these very different looking planets that have different star bases and, and they're, they're, for the time they were gorgeous. I still think they're gorgeous, but I'm a little, you know, rose colored nostalgia right, glasses. Right. But, um, 
But it's like you'll land like one base. One base will be a naval base, and then this other base will look very Blade Runnery, and you're on this like futury looking world. And then the next base will like, oh, I'm in a park on Oxford or whatever. So all the planets are different. There's I forget how many planets. It's a pretty good size. It's not like frontier size. It's more contained than that. But it's a good size universe. And uh oh, the galaxy. That's the name of the other ship. Is the big cargo ship with a rear turret. That was the one. That was the galaxy. Um, the Orion was more the tanky thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can also swap out equipment. You can do trade missions and get more money. Like, I think I stopped playing when I had like three million credits. And that was with the most upgraded Centurion you could get. And I just, you know, I never got bored. Uh, but I mean, the missions, a lot, the one thing that a lot of these missions have in common, a lot of these games have in common is the missions can get very samey. Like, oh, do fly this cargo here, right. fly these people here. They can get a little samey and grindy, but I love that, so I'm fine with it. But, you know, even I have my limits. Uh, but this game, I, 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 I must have put four or five hundred hours into it wow. back in the day. Like, I think I almost failed my first semester, my, not first semester, second semester of college because of this game. Because I'd come home. I wouldn't do any homework. I'd play this for eight hours and go to bed. You know, because it was just that good. So, um, you can do it, you can do what you, and all he says, and play Wing Commander 3 first, and then play this. And that's not a bad introduction to that world, but I, for me, I played the first two and then played this. And oh, that, no, like, first two Wing Commander is a, a great. One day I'm going to do a whole separate podcast on, on, on Wing Commander, because there's just so many games. Might, oh, God. might as well just do a whole, there's well, podcast about, just on the series. A, there's about a dozen. Yeah. No, there's about there's about ten. If if you count all the spinoffs, you know, like uh, yeah, there's the, Academy, Academy and there's and Armada, whatever the fuck. And yeah, yeah. so there's a, almost about ten, I'd say. Yeah. But so there's enough. It's to, a pretty, there's enough to fill the time. There's enough to fill a whole podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Wing Commander is a pretty expansive universe, and this gave you a glimpse into that universe that you never thought you'd get, that you never had before, and it just blew your mind back in the day. So this is like really just one of the, the piece de la resistance. Yeah. Of, it's, of the it's genre. definitely recommended and it's on Gog. Oh, and thank God it is on Gog. Yes, it is on Gog. Now there are a couple of other, um, variations of this, uh, for Windows. There's ASCII sector, which is a full ASCII version of Privateer. I'm not even making that up. Wow. And there's also, What's it called? Gemini Gold, which is a more modern Windows version of this. I have this. no idea. Um, but it's nowhere near. It's not even. It's not easier. Then, like you would think, oh, more modern versions. They're going to be a little easier. Nope. No, they're just as ball crunchingly difficult. So, just know what you're getting into if you're going to play this. It's going to take a while to get out of that first system and get good enough at combat to start dealing damage to the bad guys. It's worth it though, because it's very satisfying once you kill your first bad guy in this game. <laughs> Very satisfying. So we only have a couple left, and the next one I've barely played. It's called Star Reach. It came out in nineteen ninety four. Never heard of it, and I checked. I checked some places out looking for opinions, and somebody described it as Master of Orion meets Star Control. Yeah, yeah, that's what they were trying to go for, and it was put out by Interplay. Uh, for some reason, Moby Games has, uh, Space Federation, so maybe that's what it was called overseas. But here it was called Star Reach. And, um, yeah, it tries to be a kind of tradey, 
uh, strategy adventure thing, and it's just it never really sunk in. Like I played it back in the day, I tried it, it just never clicked. You know, it never clicked with me. Well, it looks like so it's never... just sort of like a tradey strategy master of Ryan style, yeah. and when there's time to do some battles, they're like first they're star kinda... star control, like you just yeah, shoot shit in space. Star yeah. I mean. I think the, one of the reasons this game never really went anywhere is because there were other games that had come out that did whatever they were doing better. Right. Like Star Master of Orion. Well, Master did its of Orion thing. is Master of Orion, so yeah. Yeah, Master of Orion did its thing better. Star Control did its thing better. You know, so like I think it, it's it it kind of felt like an also ran, mm-hmm. and so I don't think it stayed in the minds of people very much. And it didn't get the best reviews either. I'm looking on uh, Moby Games, like PC Gamer gave it a seventy. Um, CGW gave it two stars out of five. So it wasn't even a, it wasn't even that great a game. And also a, a, a testament to how, you know, obscure no one gives a shit about this game is that there are no user reviews on Moby Games for it. So, <laughs> so that tells you right there, no one gives a shit, but it's got trade. That's why I included it. The final game we're going to talk about. Oh, are we? It's a down note. I, know. I don't. I don't have much to say about it. Mostly because uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really work. It's, it's a piece of shit. Okay, so imagine. Remember we were talking about uh, Frontier Elite Two a while back. Take that game. Try and pretty up the graphics, and then make it a, about eighty percent buggier. And you have Frontier First Encounters, which is the third in the original Elite trilogy. Mm-hmm. And it was almost part and parcel a copy of um the second game except that it had some full motion video bits when you talk to the people on the planet uh and the graphics were a bit more shadier uh but it was so it was a mess yeah like i don't know it's weird that it took two years as well and, and came out you know so unfinished but it's like what what you know what 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 improved exactly nothing yeah. Nothing. I mean, I think it had some different ships, but I think that's about it. And, and again, the graphics were, I can't even say they're an improvement. Like they tried making them more uh, pixely. To, to be honest with you, sheet. I read like a big uh, interview with David Braben in, in Retro Gamer where he actually mm-hmm. pointed out like all the technical difficulty, difficult, uh, technical differences in between uh, first encounters oh, and, yeah. and frontier. I couldn't tell you what they are. But yeah. apparently it's quite a few, like as far as the physics engine is concerned and whatever. And, I really feel that. Different. But that's the thing, like it doesn't really, it doesn't really feel like anything no. changed really. And it no. looks exactly the same. It really does. In the 1995, uh, you know, like I can see that graphics kind of thing in 1993. Yes, it's very impressive. It's very pretty. But like two years later, essentially the same game and yeah. the one that crashes. 30 seconds in depends, oh depending God. on your sound card and memory manager not, no it's, bueno. it's really a shame because the Elite series was cruising on a high point until this like Frontier Frontier was a bit buggy but it was nowhere near as buggy as whatever this was yeah it's one of those games like legendarily uh, like like one of those games that was like broken broken like yeah. it was broken it was unplayable but but I most most people yeah. could not play it. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if this is why there was such a big gap between this and Elite Dangerous. This probably killed the franchise for a while because it was so legendarily bad. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's a shame that we have to end on this note. Well, we don't have talk- we don't really have to end on this. We note. should. I, 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 have, wanna, I, I have a question for you. Well, a couple. Sure. Go well, ahead. well, yeah. So, well, well, we obviously we're not going to recommend the, the third elite game no, God, to no, anyone. No. Not that anyone would really want to. But uh, I do have a question of a question of, about emissions from your list. Uh, how about them uh, Mega Traveler games? Do they Those belong? Were- you know what? I never played those. Yeah, did they, did they have trade? They, I, was, I they, mean, I looked. I was looking through my list and trying to look for games that had trade. I I never played them. So let me let me take a let me like. I, I'm 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 certain they do. Uh, I mean, it's been a while, and they're more heavy on RPG story than anything else. But essentially, they're just like the same as some of the earlier games that we looked at, where it's sort of an RPG exploration. But also involves some trading, just because you can go to uh, to different worlds and uh, you know. Buy, oh God, there is trading. Buy the I goods. Know I yeah. That. Oh God, I'm I don't sorry. have I'm much experience with those, but I know, and I don't think a lot of people actually do either. Like they're not really well remembered games, but I know some people really like them. There are two user reviews for the first one on on Moby Games, so that tells you something. Yeah. But uh I've I yeah, somehow I never played these. And so I'm sorry. I feel kind of bad. This completely just just well, over my head. I, there sorry. you go. I should have given well, no need to be sorry. Here we are. I, I just remembered in the last second. Uh so well, if you didn't play them, so neither of us really going to have much input in this. If if you dear listeners played the Mega Traveler games, leave us a comment. Um, yeah, there's two of them mm-hmm. apparently. One came out. The first one was 90, and the second one was 91. Mm-hmm. And uh, they look pretty detailed. I mean, I, I I'm going to play them eventually, but I didn't even realize they had trade. I don't know why I didn't realize that. I think I thought of them more as like more traditional RPGs, and I didn't even think of trade. But um, yeah, I I I feel like I failed a little bit in, in well, forgetting about. Well, those, whatever. I never played them. It's that, yeah. and then. The, the final DOS swan song of the... <laughs> I don't even know we should be bringing it up, but Privateer 2 actually also was released for DOS and Windows. Oh, God, it but it had, it, had, it had a standalone DOS release, which actually was oh, more God. stable than the Windows one. I forgot about the DOS version of that. Okay, folks, if you want to uh, play a game that has a great <laughs> cast but a shitty-ass <laughs> game, Privateer 2 The Darkening is, is your game. I mean, it's got fucking... Clive Owen, William Hurt. Yeah, but they all act uh, badly. The only one who doesn't act, uh, also David Warner, Christopher Walken. I love David Warner so much. David Warner is the, is the only one who, who, again, David Warner and John Reese Davis are both have been on so much, like, shit, but they're always committed a hundred percent. You know, they're never, they're never hamming it up. They just deliver like professional fucking actors. And so, and David Warner is the only, like, anchor in, in Privateer 2 that doesn't, I mean, Walken doesn't even look like he wants to be there. Kind of like, the Ripper, like almost, you know, oh, almost God, like the dude. same caliber of walking performance yeah. where it's like, what am I doing? Where's my money? And, yeah, like Clive Owen. I love Clive Owen. He's really young. Uh, but he hasn't aged. Have you noticed that? He yeah, he looks age. the same. He looks exactly the same. But yeah, they seem bored. Yeah. Like he, he and John Hurt were just like, whatever. But the game is batshit insane. It's stupid. Here's how stupid this game is. If you want to trade anything, you have to hire a freighter to carry the trade goods. So basically, you're creating your own escort mission anytime you want to trade something. And anyone who plays space simulators know that escort missions are the worst. 
Well, in every no li- game genre. In any, in in any, any game, game genre, really. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah even, it doesn't have to but, be in space. So you basically make your own fucking escort mission anytime you want to trade something. And then, if you, if you run into bad guys, you can't run away. Like a lot of games, you can run away from the bad guys. Mm-hmm. If you, if you hit your afterburner long enough, they will stop chasing you. Or you can jump away eventually if your hyperdrive spins back up or whatever. But with Privateer 2, you have to kill all the bad guys before you can leave. And sometimes you can't. Or sometimes your freighter will get blown up before you do. And it's like, I hate you. And then like, whenever you jump to a planet, it jumps you so far away, you have to like sit there for 10 minutes. <laughs> Before you can even get close enough to co- contact the planet to land, just a lot of bad design decisions. Yeah, it's it was it's a terrible Chris Roberts' terrible brother, game. right? Was that? Uh, it was. Oh, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. was it Aaron Roberts' game? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, yes. There you go. I I started a series for my own blog called Hate Playing, and that was the first game I played uh, <laughs> because it's so bad. It's bad. It, it's it's really one of my least favorite, not just space games, but games. Ever because Privateer, the first Privateer was so good, mm. and then they released this. I don't even think it was supposed to be a Privateer game. They just kind of slapped the name on there because oh, oh, we've got this. It needs recognition, Privateer. Uh, and it's so so bad. It's on GOG. Mm-hmm. If if you want to buy it, no, don't do it. Don't unless you just unless you have money to burn, curiosity at the yin yang, and are a space game collector like me. Don't. Even touch privateer. Even too. FMV. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's high quality FMV, but I don't like the stylistic choices that they make. Like the way they shoot things, like a lot of Dutch angles and like weird <laughs> handheld zooms. Like it, it looks like a 90s commercial for the most part. And it, it ruins, it robs it like of any sort of like natural flow. You know, it just looks fucking, Cheesy. They try to be all serious or, or bored. I can't really tell. Uh, but like that weird stylistic choices that are made, like are not fucking helping it. You know, like in Wind Commander three on four, especially four, like felt like maybe a TV movie. You know what I'm saying? Like lighting, yeah. the lighting wasn't corny. Like especially in four, like everything was sort of spot on. You got sets, you got costumes. Yeah, Nobody exactly. fucking tilted the camera and shook it for no reason. <laughs> you know, but. Privateer 2, it's like, oh my uh, god, let's give everybody shiny clothes and then they just fucking shake the camera. And, and people are dancing in the corner for no reason. Yeah. And someone's it's, crying in the corner for no Like, yeah, what is this? It's like, I don't know who made any, like, who's responsible for it. It's a mess, like, all around. It felt like they were trying to go for, like, a futury, Blade Runner-y, edgy quality. Yeah, well, it didn't fucking and, and work. So. It ended up just being a joke. Yeah. It's a it, total it, it's joke. Bad. So yeah, we're kind of ending the whole thing on a couple of down notes, but whatever. I mean, the genre went on into Windows and survived quite well. Yeah, and it's even now. I mean, it used to be for a while one of those like semi-dead genres that you would like see like a sort of like another game try to dethrone Elite. Like what were those games? Like there's been a whole bunch of them. Like X, uh, X, were they just called X? Fuck. Like jump, jump gate came close to doing an elite slash privateer online, and it's still a good game. You can actually play it today, but um, that's the closest we had for a long time. I mean, we had Space Rangers, which oh, was yeah. a great game. Space Rangers was great, and we had Independence War Two, which was a really amazing game. 
Um, but yeah, for most for most of the uh, 2000s and even into the early 2010s, it was very slim pickings. I mean, most of the games we got were from European companies, mm-hmm. and a lot of those were very questionable. Yeah, like like Dark Star One, terrible. The Tomorrow War, awful. Um, but then you had some weird, interesting stuff like Parkan Two, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, actually. I I haven't played I the like second it. one. I I played the first one. The first, uh like uh, pretty much the well, I guess the, as far as privateer clones, those are like the Russian privateer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah happens yeah. to come out pretty early on in the Russian game dev history because it 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 dropped in '97, and it had its gimmick was it was basically an easier ripoff of privateer essentially. Uh, mm. The combat was very easy because it was point and click. Um, and, uh, but all the planets were, like, the planets and stations were actually, like, first person FPS style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I that? have a copy of it somewhere. Was the first played. one? The first one, yeah, I have a copy of it. I just haven't played it. I know. It's one of those obscure things, obscure Russian things. Uh, there's also Parkan Iron Strategy, which was an RTS. Well, it's an RTS, kind of yeah. Like offshoot. On the planet. But then you had Parkan 2, which was a mouse-driven first-person space slim slash first-person shooter where you could actually run around ships and run around planets. Well, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, Parkan 2, I, I, I think I, I've only seen very little of it, but it looks just like a, like, hardware accelerated 3D remake of the first game, to be honest with you. Dude, you can get it for a dollar right now. Really? Yeah, a dollar. The work on the modern PCs. Uh, oh sure, Russian I, things. I, have a video, I, I think I have a video of it. First, it's on Steam. I think on Steam. first Barkan functions pretty well on modern Windows, except for the first-person shooter sequences aren't frame limited. So oh, if you have, oh wow, it, yeah, yeah. So those will, those will really crazy. Yeah, those are going to be crazy. You're going to get shot at a lot. <laughs> but right. uh the space set, I mean it's Russian game dev in the mid 90s was was weird. I mean Parkan is probably it's one of those things that everybody loved when it came out because it was like right. it was a Russian game it was big and it looked very polished, but like in retrospect you look at it now and you're like it's pretty easy. It's very linear. It's very FMV like. The first person shooter sequences are bad and unnecessary, just tedious. It was one of those things. But, you know, we, at least we were proud that we made, uh, you know, Russian privateer. That's really all that it was. So that was fun. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for being here. Always, always a pleasure. And of course, I, I, I welcome you to come back. And I'm sure so would the listeners. Do you have anything to, uh, well, uh, I know you do, but where can, if people feel a deficiency of, of, of space games <laughs> in their life, where can they go? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Uh, you can find, um, everything at spacegamejunkie.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at spacegamejunkie. It's also, uh, youtube.com slash spacegamejunkie, which is where most of my stuff is. Uh, I do weekly let's plays of, old and new space games uh, like next week I'm doing Space Bucks for example uh, so <laughs> I did Rules of Engagement a while back, I TIE Fighter so uh, I love the DOS gaming that's how I grew up so um, yeah, please stop by SpaceGameJunkie.com or the Twitter or the YouTubes and say hello, I'm very friendly so thanks man <laughs> <laughs> alright, well and me uh, you can find me uh, at DOS Nostalgic on Twitter is the number one place or anywhere else where you can use a search engine of your choice to look for DOS Nostalgia I'm almost guaranteed to be there 
and uh, thank you uh, Brian for being here and thank you dear listeners for listening and hopefully we'll see each other again on uh, another Dust Nostalgia podcast and remember your gaming history goodbye bye